0: Welcome to Pebble in the Pond, a podcast that hopes to create a ripple of change for mental health. My name is Sam Stewart and I'm the CEO of the Australian and New Zealand Mental Health Association. Each year I have the pleasure of attending events to meet and connect with the most fascinating and accomplished people in mental health. Listen in as I go one-on-one with the people changing the face of mental health in Australia and New Zealand, from lived experience speakers through to researchers, academics and influential industry leaders. Our Pebble in the Pond podcast episodes may contain themes or topics of discussion that may be triggering to some listeners. If you feel you need assistance with your mental health at any time, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 or visit the Get Help page for additional resources at anzmh.asn.au. With the increase in apps, technology and online self-help resources, mental well-being in the digital age is an area of fast-paced development. Professor David Kavanagh is a clinical psychology researcher at Queensland University of Technology and chairs the Queensland Mental Health and Drug Advisory Council. Over the last 12 years, David has been developing and testing e-mental health programs and apps and since 2013 has been leading the Australian Department of Health's eMental Health in Practice project, which helps health workers across Australia to use digital resources and services. Take a listen as David joins us in Episode 7 to discuss the role technology plays in assisting with mental health and how we can benefit from implementing these resources into the workplace. All right, welcome to the podcast, David Kavanagh. Thanks very much for coming along. Oh, appreciate you getting me here. No, no, not a problem at all. Looking uh, but looking forward to hearing a lot about what you've been up to uh, and your obviously the role you're in at the moment, but the journey. if You just want to give us a bit of a, a high level intro as to how you got to where you are at the moment.
1: Oh, how I got here. <laughs> well, you know, some time ago, a bloke that I used to work with in Sydney uh, came to me and said, uh, "You know, let's try to do some alcohol treatment using letters." And mm-hmm. I said, "You're joking. You know, it sounded to me like you know uh, surgery by numbers or something." <laughs> alcohol <laughs> anyway, treatment. Doing yeah, that. that's right. So anyway, we we did that, and we did we did about four randomised controlled trials on that. It works. It it, it works really well, and uh, and good maintenance afterwards. People cut down their drinking by forty or fifty percent. Maintained so right. it, yeah. So. Thought this is you know this is pretty good and uh, other people were starting to get into um, you know web web based treatments and I was I was a bit slow actually I thought no I want to keep going with this because it's it's easier to change a letter than it is to change a web program at least it was in those days yeah yeah so we, we did some work on depression and you know, depression along with alcohol and uh, then finally I couldn't I couldn't uh, stop getting into it any longer and. Um, I got some money out of the Queensland government. We wrote some programs, uh, on track programs. They're still they're still available, although they're looking a bit old now. Yeah. Um, so we did that in two thousand and eight, and so we did. We ended up doing uh, nine nine programs uh, for various things, um, including we did a did a program for in twenty eleven for the flood victims here in Brisbane. Um, Sp- specific for that. Specifically for that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and. Um, so we did, did alcohol again, you know, that was um, long-term work that I've been doing. Um, depression and alcohol, depression by itself. Um, then a, a, a colleague of mine and I got into um, some work on, on psychosis-like experiences um, and cannabis alongside that. Uh, so, so we did a series of those kinds of things and then an opportunity came up to, um, to get a tender with the federal government to uh, help everybody around Australia access digital programs uh, through their GPs or psychologists or um, nurses and others. So we've been doing that ever since. So training them and supporting them in the use of digital programs, not not just ours, everybody's.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so your journal, your journey in the mental health uh, in the sector, I guess. How long have you been in doing the?
1: Middle oh health. crikey! Uh, since nineteen seventy-four, it was my first uh, first job, uh, and uh, yeah, I got a, a job in Western Sydney just when the community mental health services were starting up. Wow. And uh, before long, I found myself um, uh, in charge of a centre in Western Sydney. Um, built it up to about thirty staff before I left, um, and uh, that was really exciting, but I was strange that. Far too early, you know. I was still in training, and I was running the centre. It was really silly. <laughs> what an experience! I mean, that's, that was great. Yeah. So you're sort of thrown in the deep end a little bit there. Yeah, yeah. And we had a we had a method, a, a methadone treatment centre and uh, uh, an alcohol treatment. Uh, yeah, we had some generalist health nurses, child health nurses. Yeah, it was a lot of fun.
0: And so, for someone that's been in the in, in the industry or um, you know in mental health for the better part of say forty years. Mm. How have you seen it develop and evolve and change and and how do you think we're progressing?
1: It's really hard to assess that. You know, you sort of feel like at times it's like climbing a sandhill. You know, you get a couple of steps up back and you slip back down a bit. Um, But overall, I think it's really exciting. I think the whole field has matured. Um, I think the, the, uh, the consumer and carer movement has been... Oh, it took a long time to really get off the ground, but oh, it has been such an important influence. Yes. Um, and I think that will continue to grow. I mean, my, I've got a passion for the involvement of of carers and family members. I, I think we ignore them, um, and I think that's a that's a tragedy for them and for us because, uh, you know, they they're giving the day to day support. Mm. And if we can support them better, we we can actually be doing a, a lot better job, I think, of keeping people with recurrent mental illnesses out of hospital.
0: It's a very good point you raise, and we definitely want to address uh, address the role of family members and carers as well, because, like you said, that they're, they're not getting um, the support or the the assistance and uh, the recognition probably too that they deserve yeah. for the role that they play yeah. in this. But. If we can just go back to the role uh, of mental health, uh, and, and sorry, the digital role of mental in mental health. Tell me how you've seen that progress over the
1: years. Oh, that's been fantastic, and uh, uh, Australia was one of the probably the world leader in the early stages. Uh, it's a very exciting work, particularly out of ANU and Helen Christensen's work uh, and her colleagues with um, with Mood Jim was one of the, the key early ones. Um, uh, and Judy Proudfoot with her work on, on depression um, and uh, that, that's sort of, that's grown enormously. I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise. We're also digital these days, you yeah. know, I've got my smartwatch and my phone and, yeah. and, uh, and you know, the tablets waiting for me at home and the yeah. computer I'm carrying with me. That's not unusual, you know, yeah. we, we are highly digitally connected. Um, I was looking at this last night and the best estimate now is that around about 89% of Australians have a smartphone. Is that right? And, and of course, particularly young people, but all of us are, are very much on the phone. The fastest market at the moment in smartphones is over 50, is over 50 right? years old. It's the older people getting onto that now. Um, so we're getting to the stage now where this is, this is a very powerful tool for a whole lot of things. And what we're now doing is saying it can be a very powerful tool for mental health. If you think about it, it's amazing. You know, you have this tradition of perhaps going to see a psychologist once a week, or if you're lucky once a fortnight, you know, if you've got a severe mental illness, you might only be seeing somebody for reviews every four or six weeks. Mm. This is an opportunity to have some mental health support in your pocket whenever you need it. it. That's, that's a fantastic idea. And, uh, you know, if we can actually make the most of that, we have a really powerful way, I think, of helping people live much more productive and interesting lives.
0: You spoke about Australia leading uh, the digital space for, for quite some time, or for a little bit anyway. Which, which time? What time frame are we looking at here? Is it early two thousands? Is when it really started to yeah come into play in Australia and that's right. Is that
1: correct? Yeah, and, and and inevitably, you know, in in uh, in the last few years, both Europe and the US have have um, taken this on board in a really big way, um, and and we've been very lucky in Australia that we have had uh, a, a federal government that has invested heavily in this. Um, they were very forward thinking, um, and and more recently, state governments increasingly as well, particularly yeah. Victoria and New South Wales. Um, and uh, you know, and the, the federal government has, has uh, invested in, in uh, MindSpot, which is a. I mean, that's that's a terrific initiative. You know, being able to get supported uh, digital uh, mental health treatment in, in a course format across the country free. You know, we've now got we've now got tens of thousands of Australians who have benefited from that. Mm. It's it's an amazing initiative and. And, and head to health, which gives you, you know, lists of, um, of programs that you can get into, and you can search. So anyone could get in there and find find programs. This is great. You know, we now have, you know, the federal government's invested in um, in, in uh, um, LGBT resources, in, in resources for people with um, eating disorders. Uh, Yeah, yeah. um, uh, You know, I've been involved myself with some support for um, uh, in the perinatal uh, period. There's such a range of stuff that you can get now.
0: Yeah. Is there any country in particular that you think now is leading the way in what they're doing digitally with mental health? Is there is there someone that's a country that stood out to you?
1: Well, apart from Australia, uh, Australia. (laughs) well, you know, the US is doing quite well, but I mean, they've got a very fragmented health system. Um, uh, The Netherlands has got some excellent work and, and there's some, some good work also occurring in in Sweden um, where there's, there's, you know, you can get assistance across the country there as well. Um, But, but I still, I, I still think there's something quite unique about the way in which Australia is, is, uh, um, you know, providing this on a federal level. You know, this work that, that MPRAC's been doing in the mental health in practice is trying to actually support uh, people in primary care across the country. Um, not blowing my own trumpet here, but I mean, I think that is unique. I don't know anywhere else that's doing anything quite like that. Yeah. So, if you just want to elaborate
0: further on MPRAC and what you what you the organisation do and how long you've been around for,
1: uh, we've been around since 2013, and we've got funding at the moment to. 2021. And it's a collaboration um, between ourselves, uh, Black Dog Institute, University of New South Wales, um, the far far north of uh, New South Wales, Mm -hmm. uh, Northern River section of um, Sydney University and Menzies School in Northern Territory. And for the first uh, um, three years or so, it was uh, ANU as well in ACT. Um, And we've been, We've been at almost any conference you can pack a stick at or, yeah. uh, um, giving people information. We've, uh, we've got a website which has a list of resources. We've got a booklet people can order and mm. uh, be able to search for resources. Uh, we've been we've been doing workshops, uh, um, uh, Black Dog in particular, but us as well, have been doing webinars. Um, and we've been even doing some work in remote Indigenous communities. Um, uh, both in in far north Queensland and Northern Territory and in northern New South Wales
0: so it's been a collaborative effort to get to where you are today that's right and it's a national rollout yeah so it's accessible. lots of people involved yeah, yeah. it's uh, I mean it's fantastic that the initiative like you you said before that the forward thinking that's gone into this uh, to fund such a program yeah what a great concept and with the stuff I mean I, I gather the stuff that you were doing in the early days, 2013, 14, was it more testing, looking at platforms, seeing what they're about and how they're using them for yourself to get an understanding to see what's going to support primary carers uh, in the best way possible and seeing which ones are, are better than others? Is that is that how it worked? What, tell me about how how you guys go about this process.
1: No, we got stuck into it fairly early. Yes, we did do some surveys of practitioners and um Talk to, talk to various people about you know what do I see as the barriers and what do I see as the things that would facilitate them getting started. but we got we got started on on training fairly early um, and, and going to going to conferences. Um, look it's, it, 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 it is a fairly mature group of, of, of people around the country who've been doing these um, resources. Many of them are really a very high standard indeed. So, I mean, we we weren't starting from ground zero. We, yeah. we were able to build on the fantastic work that others have been doing, um, and and just start promoting their products.
0: Yes, and so the as an example of someone that's in in primary health, so a yeah. GP or someone, so they would uh, contact, they would go to your MPRAC website, and then they would look for different depending on the sort of resources that they're after, and see which ones you recommend. And then they would go onto that platform to seek help and guidance as, to, as far as how to integrate, how to use that, or how they can inform their client to better help address the challenges that they're facing. Is it is that how? Is that,
1: yeah, that's one example? way. That's one way that they can do it, or they can uh, they they can download a webinar or attend a webinar live. Yep. Um, so they're, they're available through there, and they're also available on the Black Dog website. Yes. Um, and. And just get to know how to use them. Look, there's various ways that they can use them. Um, so at the at the at the most minimal level, it's a bit like uh, uh, talking to people about self help books that they might be able to get. You know, so yeah. there are there are self help web programs and apps available. Um, and so if you can just find out about their existence and uh, it's not not even recommending them necessarily, but saying, look, I've just heard about this. Why don't you have a look at it? See what you think of it? Um, So that's a fairly low level thing Mm. where there's not a lot of um, uh, Commitment by you or not not necessarily a lot of work that you've got to do to to do to do that The second level you might want to be Perhaps referring someone to a program uh, Or a service, Uh, you know MindSpot is is more of a clinical service, you know It's operated in terms of these courses, but Mm. Um, that's like referring to another practitioner. Mm. So there, you've got to have a bit of bit of trust in them. So you might want to delve into it and have a look at their, yes. their organisation and uh, you know how they look after people. I do, by the way, look after people really well. And they do. They do actually check for exacerbation, um, and uh, with the person's permission, they'll they'll give reports back to the practitioner. So I mean, you can work on that kind of basis. Um, or you can actually even go a step further and, and be supporting the person in using a program yourself. So you can be their, their coach if you like. Um, so um, that's that's a really good way of getting more bang out of the buck of your your, your sessions that you've got with them. Yep. Um, so you can not have to be doing everything that you normally would do. You know, if you if you're a psychologist listening to this, you know, you would perhaps be doing quite a lot of psychoeducation. Uh, in the early stages of what you're doing, you don't have to do that much anymore. You can be supporting the person in, in, in using this work online. Um, you can use it also to reinforce what you're doing in the sessions. Mm. So Again, so you may not mm. need as many sessions to get to where you wanna go. And you can even use these resources to guide your sessions in some cases. So. If it's an area you don't feel confident with, um, we'll say alcohol and drugs, you know, many mental health professionals don't feel confident in that area, but the person's got a problem in that area. They don't want to go to a service. Um, They'd still like to talk to you about it. Well, you can use the program to actually guide your session, work through it with the person. Mm. And that way they're not only benefiting, but you're learning skills as well.
0: Yes. Now that makes sense. And how are you finding the the online versus face to face because it's not a matter of supplementing one or the other, right? This is about looking to see how you can coexist. It's another tool in the belt. Is that what what you're saying as far as, you know, using this?
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, look, we've got, we've still got the situation where most people who need help with mental health issues are not getting it from a professional. And not getting it for lots of reasons. It's a supply issue. Not enough people available. We we tend to live in cities, and people outside of cities have difficulty getting them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, even if you get access to the person, they can't afford the number of sessions often that they need. And you know, Medicare limits the mm-hmm. number of sessions that you can claim. So we need something to supplement that. We need it for the people who are not willing to see the pr- practitioners, but we also need it in order to be able to have a greater um, impact when we are seeing someone. There, it's not a matter of either or. It's not a matter of putting people out of work. And you know, I, I think anybody who thinks that this is some kind of insidious thing to, the government is doing to sort of not have to send into the practitioners, there's no one is about at all. And there's there, there's ample work for everybody. It's a matter of actually actually getting smart with our with our time, getting smart with our uh, you know, we are digitally enabled. Why not be digitally enabled in everything we do, with, with all of our practice? And that involves learning some extra skills, but from a private practitioner's point of view, from an organisation's point of view, being digitally enabled gives you an, an enormous competitive edge over those who aren't.
0: Okay. Uh, I mean, that you did. there was some research though as well that was, Saying, uh, I think I read it on your website that the um, the the effectiveness of online coaching uh, is is seen on average just to be as effective
1: as face to face. That's right. Yeah, that- absolutely. Um, the the self help programs by themselves, um, uh, you know, the difficulty there is get is is maintaining your motivation as a as a user. You know, mm. but if you've got someone to support you. That that turns out to be as effective as regular face-to-face treatment, and now I've got a lot of research on this, and it's really quite a clear result. Um, not every not every program, not every app is as effective as the other. Mm. You know, there's 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 quality differences between them, but overall, when you look at the the ones that are the evidence-based ones that have actually been um, properly designed, developed ideally co-developed with users, they're very strong in in terms of their impact.
0: Yes. And you've been going for some time now which which has given you the opportunity to have that evidence-based research done behind
1: uh, a lot of the stuff
0: that you guys are doing, is that correct?
1: Yeah, there is a problem. You'll understand that um, research moves more slowly. Than the, the the development of the programs and apps. So yeah. a, you know most program most apps that are out there are not have not been tested properly. Um, uh, many of the programs have been and some of the apps have been, uh, but the, uh, there's not there's not time to do you know two or three rigorous randomized controlled trials in every single one. Yeah. But but look, I I actually have been arguing for some time that that's a silly criterion. Um, we don't actually talk about you know, the depression treatment in the Brisbane treatment centre having to have a separate randomised control trial to the Sydney one or the Melbourne one. What we do is we look at the quality of what they do. And if they're doing things, if their procedures, the way that they've set it up, the way in which they operate is consistent with what we know works that's good enough, and I think that should be the approach that we take to resources as well. If if when you look at this yourself as a practitioner, you can see that this is, this is something which works in a face-to-face format, is consistent with what we know from the randomised controls trials there. If it communicates well, it will work. Mm. So there's that, this act, obviously if we can, we'll do randomised controlled trials, but You know, I think it's more important that we are checking to make sure that it has fidelity to what we know works. I think you can go a long way in terms of the the judgment of what to select and people get very confused about this because there's so much out there, it's really hard to know what to select. By looking looking at just one or two or three, if you're trying to get started, try just one. Try it out yourself. Uh, as a as a person who'd be you know looking to benefit from it, and for heaven's sake, you know we can all benefit from increases in well-being. So yeah. you know why not do it yourself? Actually, see what you like about it, what you don't like about it. See if you can get one or two of your clients to play with it. Um, make sure you're tracking how they're going, um, and you know if there's some things that are missing out of that program or that are not very good. You can supplement them in your own sessions. Talk to them about how it is, and then you'll get confidence in this, and you'll be able to support other people in using it. It's it's not rocket science doing this. You know, it's just a matter yeah. of, of taste and see.
0: The speed of research and the speed of tech, and and how fast digital's moving. I mean, do you think the process needs to be broken and and then re? just sort of looked at again to say, well, how yeah. can we keep up? Because, I mean, I, I assume, and I don't know, but the, the amount of digital platforms coming online is, is quite rapid and, yeah. and exploding, which is, which is really great. But like you said, the research, I mean, yeah. how do you think we can keep up? Is, is there a way that we can reassess
1: Yeah, uh, Yeah, I mean, people are looking at that and they're looking at different forms of research, um, uh, and, you know, different ways of, of doing this. One of the advantages that you have in the digital field particularly with the ones that are not coached, is you can get very large numbers potentially. And, and large numbers allow you to do things that you wouldn't normally do in a randomised control trial. So you can actually be uh, flipping elements around, for example, you can, you, can, you can look and see where the benefit is occurring most out of this element versus mm-hmm. that one. So you can actually do quite powerful trials very quickly. Um, and I've been in, involved in trials on, on apps that um, that very short-term things, you know, it's not looking at looking at long-term benefits, but you can actually look very quickly, you know, with with months delayed, for example, or two months, three months delayed treatment, you can actually get results quite quickly on an app. So it's looking at more agile ways of doing research. Look, the other thing is with this this field, we're we're really talking. If you think about it, in the in the format that I was talking about it before, as being often a matter of. Um, uh implementation rather than development of something new you know it might it might be a new product but it's essentially often elements of it are things that we know very well then it's more a matter of evaluation than it is of research so it's more a matter of of actually be tracking people uh, a long time and just looking to make sure you know how many people are benefiting and and uh is there any is there any sort of rate are there any uh Uh, people who are not benefiting and you know groups like MindSpot again which have done an excellent job of this have been showing that the effects in their routine treatment are about the same as as they are in the randomized controlled trials there doesn't seem to be much difference at all and they're getting very low rates of deterioration um, and consistent with what any service sees in fact Um, so you know I think if it's done well it can be very safe and it we we can do we can do proper evaluation without necessarily having to be, be um, waiting to do the full research, you know, in the randomized controlled trial sort of sense. Okay.
0: And the data they're collecting, I mean, as well, and that that would be hmm. something like they'd be able to get so much uh, data from people using their programs, their apps, yeah, that it would you could see that to, to like the fall away um, part of it or, or or you'd be able to understand where people are falling away, as far as they're no longer engaging or they're dropped off, or yeah. Uh, so I guess the data itself from the people that are running those apps as well would be really important to see how that's being used, and, and as well as trying to progress things.
1: Yeah, look, you've got to be careful when you're when you're designing these these programs. Um, uh, you can go either way. Uh, let me tell you two kind of. Uh, conflicting stories one of the, one of the early programs actually had quite a lot of um, assessment at the start and one of the problems of course particularly if you've got people doing this as a self-management thing they, they drop out in huge numbers if you do that mm. I went the other way when I started doing my ones we, we we designed ours based on a whole lot of feedback we had from users about the way that they like it designed and they said look we don't we want to get straight into the program if we want to yeah we'd like to be able to get assessment results and feedback, but we don't want to be forced to do that before we get into the program. So I put that outside the program. Mm. And then I couldn't benefit from that data, you know, in terms of the, the yeah. outcomes of the program. So they're both not the right way to go. Yeah. we It's taken us, you know, a while over time to, to realise that you, you need to have minimal, minimal assessment, but ongoing minimal assessment. Mm. Um, and you need to actually be engaging people in the fact that they need to do it by making it useful for them. So you need to make sure that they, they can see the benefit of tracking. Um, even so, people won't necessarily always do it. Okay. Um, and and that's a, that's a challenge particularly for the self-help programs. Um, one yeah. of the advantages of the coaching is that we can we can actually twist people's arms to actually tell us how
0: they yeah. go. That's that's really interesting. I I, I really uh, I think it's. I guess for the most part, you're seeing digital health, uh, digital mental health, and uh, the application of a lot of these platforms being put to good use. Have you seen some some doozies where you've just looked at some programs and thought, "Wow!"
1: Oh yeah. These. oh yeah. Oh
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, not to not to name any, but I mean, have you seen like what what characteristics define something that's really poorly? Poorly developed or poorly run is there any common things that you're looking at and you're just going oh
1: well you know the one of the, you asked about a doozy I mean the, the one that really sticks in my mind was a uh, in the very early days we were looking at drug and alcohol programs internationally and there was one particular site that we looked into where uh, it was suggesting that if you're worried about your your um, son or daughter using drugs or alcohol when they're at a party, why don't you ring the police and ask them to pull them over on their way home? <laughs> you know. <Wow. laughs> well, yeah, well, what a terrific, what a terrific idea. When was this? <laughs> oh, this was when we first started looking into it around, around two, oh, was it 2008 or? Oh, um, wow. Yeah, I imagine there's still stuff like that out there. But no, I mean, the, the most common mistake that people make, and they still tend to make it quite often, is that they, they write, uh, material at too high a level. So, you know, people are having to read it. You need to actually be writing it at a level that pe- people feel comfortable with. Yeah. Um, when I first started doing the the um, correspondence work years ago, um, the first time I did it, I, I called it a, a, a um, an education course. And somebody who's dropped out of school is not going to want to do that. You know, I think we need to be finding ways to engage people. And we're still you know, if you look at the profile, we still are tending to get it more with a more highly educated people using this and more with women than men. We hope that men would use this more, but mm. in fact, it's still often two-thirds, two three-quarters uses uh, women. So we need to find ways of engaging them. And one of the, one of the things is reading. Um, look, I've developed an app now, which I'm very excited about, where it actually talks to you. So you can read it, but you don't have to, and you talk back to it. Um, so it, it's sort of like a quasi-therapist on your phone, if you like. Um, so we're, we're experimenting with new ways of actually engaging people, so that, um, so that maybe um, you know, they, they, they might feel more comfortable with this, and particularly if they're not feeling confident with mm-hmm. reading.
0: You mentioned that uh, females are using online resources yeah. uh, out uh, outdoing the men as far as that's concerned. Are you seeing any other demographics that are becoming, like are the younger people as well more likely to engage firstly with an online platform before even going to seek some professional advice? Are you uh, seeing um, aged uh, the clients, I guess, we're talking clients specifically, Mm. Uh, aged, uh, aged carers or aged people under in aged care, do you find that they're sort of less likely to, to reach out online for help?
1: Oh, look, older it's... people have been a little bit slower in picking up the um, the technology than younger people. Um, uh, it's, it's not quite as straightforward though as that. Um, I was saying before about smartphones that mm. it actually is the older market that's the most it's rapidly growing, growing mm. one, and uh. And you shouldn't make a, We shouldn't be making assumptions that that in fact old, older people will not want to use it. Um, mm. They they may initially lack confidence, but that's mm. not the same thing. We you know we yeah. can we can address that and you know, we've looked at that in some detail with with some focus group work. Um, even with older Indigenous people, mm. they initially feel suspicious of it, but once they can see the power of it and they get used to how to use it, um, they're into it. So. And conversely with young people, um, yeah young people do like to have stuff that's digital but they don't necessarily want the product that you're giving them. Um, one of the really interesting things that we found when we very first got into this area and were designing our first program was that we, we looked at, at how much time spent, uh, people spent actually checking out a website to see whether it was one that they want to use. Mm-hmm. And it won't surprise you perhaps if you ask them to look at several websites, they, they they look for, you know, a couple of minutes, then one minute, then, you know, reducing amounts of time mm. with, with later websites. But with young people, you can halve that or quarter that time. So young people are going in there making a snap decision. Am I going to use this or not? Um, and uh, Is
0: that like three to eight seconds or something? <laughs> yeah, or it's, it's, it's pretty fast. Pretty quick,
1: yeah. um, and, and, you know, I think that the thing is that, You've got to hook them. You've got to hook them quickly, and the other thing is that that the 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 younger age group sometimes is not tolerant of the amount of time that we feel it should take for them to actually get the benefit. So they want Impatious. to see some benefit fairly quickly from mm. this, um, and and sometimes they they will get impatient with with the amount of time that it's 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 taking. So. Mm. Um, so again, sometimes we've got to actually have shorter programs for them. Try to make sure that we put the um, the most powerful elements in quickly, so that they can get some benefit. So it's not a straightforward thing.
0: Yes. Primary health professionals, uh, primary healthcare professionals, are you seeing certain segments of of them that are using or more inclined to refer people onto these platforms? Are you seeing? Peer workers, for example, that are going to be more likely to, as opposed to GPs, or are
1: you seeing them using it for different
0: purposes, or nurses? Uh, it's
1: a, it's it's difficult to make that kind of um, um, generalisation. Um, look, in any in any profession, there are always going to be the early adopters, you know, the people who are really yep. hungry for for something new, and there's others who will feel really very comfortable with what they've always done, and it's going to be hard to shift them. Um, uh, you know, I think that uh, it, it these things are, are used in different contexts, in different ways, as I was saying, and and some some of those ways are more consistent with some professions than others. So, the way in which general practice works, you have a very limited amount of time, mm-hmm. and basically, what you're trying to do is assess and then refer or prescribe quite quickly. You don't have time for extended mental health consultations in most cases although some doctors do do that so the kind of thing that you'd be wanting to do most often with that would be to to tell a person about a a program or service or refer them to it for a psychologist most psychologists actually want to be involved Um, so yes I mean they might refer for example if they're primarily seeing someone for a marital issue and there's some depression there They might actually refer or suggest that they deal with the depression outside so they can concentrate at their session on the marital issue. But more usually they want to actually be engaged. So in that case they're more likely to do some coaching themselves of the person using the program. Um, Or they might want to use it within the session. They might want to use it to reinforce things that they've done in the session it's a different way of working. Mm. Um, Similarly, there are some some nurses who really would like to be coaching, and they can, they can, they definitely can do an excellent job of coaching. Um, But some nurses will not feel confident in getting too much into the the psychological treatment. They just don't feel confident in doing that. Um, and, And so for them, they might sometimes feel that they would prefer to refer. So it really depends upon the context that the person is working in, the amount of time that they've got, and, and the sense of confidence that they have in their own skills
0: I understand what's the, some of the challenges or, or problems you think we are facing or will face in, in the digital space as far as using uh, or helping assisting mental health uh, in the future
1: we've got a real issue in relation to judgment of quality it's um, it's it, it, you know, are saying there's a lot of stuff out there. Well, you know, the, the best guess is that there's somewhere between 300,000 and 400,000 health apps now. Wow. And they're growing, uh, a couple of years back, it was about um, uh, a couple of hundred extra each each few weeks, so. Wow, and that's in so, Australia alone? No, that was well, internationally. Okay. But, um, but you know, there's, there, there's huge growth. Um, exponential growth and so it's gonna be very hard to keep across that. Um, uh, and, and it's gonna be hard for us all to judge quality. And it's not just a matter of content either. One of the things that we're all very conscious of um, is, is privacy um, and, uh, and, and confidentiality. Um, and we really are very concerned that um, that we don't have some major problem, you know. We, we've seen things in recent mm. recent months and years mm. with um, uh, with even you know well established government websites being yes. hacked into or compromised. Um, we're all very concerned that this does not occur, um, and that we do protect people. Um, and there there are very there are very um, different uh, abilities of. Um, of, of groups to be able to do this. It's much harder for the small organisations to have the right protections mm-hmm. um, because you have to be incredibly vigilant. Um, and, and so we, we're concerned about how that is judged by the person who's referring. We're concerned about how it is done by the, by the person who's, who's doing it. Uh, there, there's work going on at the moment, um, both here in Queensland with apps and um, nationally. Um, the, uh, uh, the, the Quality and Safety um, Commission that, that, that actually um, uh, supervises the accreditation of hospitals and health services has been uh, working on a, a quality assessment system. Um, TGA has been looking at this issue of, of, mm. um, of, of how to, um, to look at um, these as medical devices. So there's a lot happening right now, and I think very shortly you're going to see some major changes in the kind of protections that are around this, mm. uh, because we're working really quite hard to make sure that as people are using these things more, that the um, that th- their integrity, yeah, privacy, absolutely, changing. yeah.
0: What uh, we we touched on briefly at the beginning, you were mentioning the power of this and the the role that digital uh, plays with remote uh, communities. Tell us about, has there been some really great examples of how this is being uh, adopted, the digital uh, mental health space for remote places where they don't have access like people do to the city? Um, Is there some really great examples where this is really helping and having an impact?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Let me mention just one that I I know about a lot because I've been heavily involved with it and and that's... um, uh, in Northern Territory, um, the Stay Strong program. That, that's that was developed um, in in collaboration with the Tiwi people um, in uh, off off the shores of um, of Northern Territory, and it's a way of of actually empowering um, Indigenous health workers to be able to do some health and well-being uh, work with their their patients. Mm-hmm. So uh, or their community members that they're supporting Um, and and, and it's very simple it encourages them to uh, it shows them how to talk about family first of all and, and and community and the things that individuals do for them the things that are giving them strength and well-being the things that are taking away their strength and then identifying some goals it's a very simple idea but a very empowering one and that's really that's really taking off um, around the country in, in communities. I think that's very exciting. bobbly the work that's been done with an app with, by um, that was done by the Black Dog Institute in conjunction with people in um, in northwestern Western Australia. Um, that's been looking at uh, empowering young people with a focus on trying to trying to reduce suicide. Um, there's there's some really exciting initiatives that are occurring. We need to do more. We need mm. to do much more. Um, but but I think you know also just the work that's been done in Northern New South Wales. That's hardly remote. But it's um, mm. but the work there in actually showing people how to use digital more broadly. I mean they're looking there at um, uh, at at the the use of of. Um, uh, of, of things that are available more broadly in the network, videos and, and, and other resources that are not necessarily specific mental health programs but can be used mm-hmm. to support people's mental health. Um, so you know we're, we're looking at developing uh, collaboratively with Indigenous people and identification of resources like that that can be, uh, that can be accessed more broadly. So there's, there's, a, there's a huge amount of opportunity there um but we've got a lot more that we need to do
0: certainly sounds exciting i guess considering how far we've come uh certainly in the last 20 odd years in this space is quite exciting but it seems like the speed is gathering more and more momentum uh as as we go further on which is both exciting i guess but also Uh, Like I mentioned earlier, there's a bit of caution that needs to be involved.
1: It's a bit daunting for us all. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, you know, I'm I'm hoping to keep across this, and I keep discovering stuff. You know, even within Australia, I didn't know about. Um, So, yeah, it is difficult for us all to keep right across it. I think the thing to do is not to is not not to feel um, like you necessarily have to be across absolutely everything, Um, but if you can be be supporting. Um, people using, um, you know, just a core of these things that you feel comfortable with, then you'll be doing a great job for your patients.
0: Is there a, a really good opportunity for workplace, so for corporates and yes. whatnot, to be to be looking at this stuff as well? Absolutely, uh, not just primary health workers. You, you, you're finding that that's a really, uh, really great opportunity that lies in front of
1: you Yeah, and I'd like to to be more in that space too in the work that we're doing to support um, uh, corporations and workplaces uh, think about a, a number of organizations that have a very distributed workforce um, and you know you could think of many I can think of many that have uh, that have people who are spread very widely it's it's really quite a a significant challenge for um, for us to be supporting the, the mental health and well-being of those people in those far fung locations, uh, I think the digital resources give you a real opportunity to be able to do that much more effectively. And I know some people really are doing a great job of that already.
0: Mm. What's well, exciting uh, that this the impact this could have uh, on the likes of mining and yeah. and, and other organisations or industries, like you said, that are very spread out. With the uh, let's go back to the role of the family uh, and su- support members or, or the carers as well that 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 apply, that their role is with mental health, uh, the digital space and the relationship that it should or could have with those um, with those people. Tell me how you how you see the future of this helping and assisting them.
1: Well. It's not, yes, it can, it can actually help and assist them, and, and uh, there already are some resources for families, but we need to, we need to, to do a lot more of those. You um, know, I wrote a very simple one years ago, but I'm very unhappy with it. I would like to do a better job. Um, so yes, we need to be supporting their health and wellbeing, and you know, that's critical um, that they are looking after themselves. They often put themselves last because they're concerned about their uh, family member and friend and they need to be okay themselves in order to do the job. But, but also, there's no reason why they can't be coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see a, a fantastic opportunity, even with people with severe mental disorders, um, to be using, in fact, I, I actually think this is, this has been crying out for ages as the area that most needs development, to be honest. Um, we are doing a lousy job of helping people with severe mental disorders have a rewarding, interesting, hopeful, enjoyable life. You know, we can do a lot with their symptoms, but we're not doing a good job at actually helping them have a a, um, a, a life that they would like to live. Family members are very keen to actually be supporting this. And, and um, digital programs can really help to bridge the gap that we, we can't um, be filling um as as health professionals there's just not enough of us to be able to do this daily support that's needed mm. so if we can actually teach the family member how to appropriately non-intrusively be supporting the person in their journey towards um, a life that they want for themselves um, We all collaboratively could be doing a much better job here. Mm. So I think there's a fantastic opportunity there, which is not currently being adequately taken up. So you'd
0: certainly think that'll be a focus? uh, I hope it will be. (laughs) I've
1: been looking forward to families being involved more for a long time now. And our services still tend to be very focused on the individual. And We have a lot to learn from Indigenous people. Indigenous people wouldn't go about it this way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They see their community, their family, as critical to their well-being.
0: Do you think they're engaging the indigenous community, like in, in the development of this uh, of the technology of the of the platforms online? Do you think uh, Do you think they are?
1: The people who are working in the indigenous space are. But there's too few people working in that space, and there's not yet enough resources to 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 do that. Look, the other group we've been talking about indigenous and you know as our own people. We need we need to be uh, we have a special responsibility towards them as essentially the invaders of their land, um, and, and, and but but we also have a responsibility to other groups as well and. Another major group that has really been neglected are, are um, people who've come to us uh, over recent years from other countries, and and particularly the people who've come to us as refugees. Um, and and there's not enough resources for them yet.
0: Yeah, no, that's uh, that's probably a growing area too that that probably needs to be looked at. With with regards to the future of where you see this heading, the digital space. You mentioned briefly before some, I assume it was AI technology where you can talk to something and it'll talk back to you. Actually,
1: no, it's not AI yet. It's very, very simple. We're starting in a small way. I've even got some robots, you know, <laughs> <laughs> been working with kids. So. You do? have yeah, 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 we've got a couple of robots in my office and um, yeah, wow. they've, they've been, we've been experimenting with robots actually, uh, trying to help people with simple tasks. Um, Again, because there's not enough health professionals to go around, we need to find more creative ways of of using time. Now, at the moment, we're not using AI, but that clearly is the way we need to go, and it is going, and we know that some big companies, um, that I could name, but I won't, are working in this space, and are very keen to be developing um, health interventions that are um, learning from what the person is, is saying to them, either typing in or speaking to them. And and actually um, modifying them, what the, what they respond with. Um, you've seen just in a very simple level what what this is like with the, the home gadgets we've like we, we can talk to. Um, it's it's going to get into a much bigger way very very soon. Uh, I find that actually very exciting. Mm. I think at the moment our digital programs are very much. Um, very much cookie cutter like so you know there is a single depression program that everybody gets but you know people don't come like that people come depressed and they have sleep problems and they have a problem with anger sometimes and they, they 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 might have they might have feeling like they're overweight and they've got a variety of things that they're coming with that all to them are part of the same problem. You know, we kind of separate it out and say, oh, that's not our business, that's over there. But in fact, for them, it's all part of the same thing. And we need to to find a way of actually helping people where they are with the things that are their priorities in an individual kind of way. Um, And I think there's tremendous opportunity to do this.
0: So the VR, AR, AI, that sort of stuff is you reckon will play a pretty important role. Oh yeah, forward. yeah, yeah, it will. Well, it's exciting to see what comes out of that space anyway, because it's I mean the effect it's having on other things is quite amazing. So it be good to see how it can be put to use. Yeah, to assist.
1: Yeah, we we've actually been we've been very cautious ourselves in going into this space because. Even with something like the robot, you know, the robot can understand what, understand, you know what I mean, it can compute what you say to it, but it makes mistakes. Mm -hmm. So we're not prepared to use that in a clinical context yet in that format. So I think what we have to do is to hasten slowly. So we need to have confidence um, that that some of the bugs are being ironed out of some of these things before we will actually uh, use them in a clinical way. So I, I would actually like to see some of the a, some of the AI stuff really refined, further in other contexts, and, and then once once we can have safe, safety in, in in a confidence in the safety of it, um, then then uh, looking at how we can use it clinically.
0: Are There some good examples of the use of digital um, e-health programs that are are focusing on prevention or early intervention?
1: Well, they always have, in a way. Um, I mean, many of those, you know, even, even the Mood Gym Programme, which is designed for, for you know, treatment of, of depression, and it has yes. been used in terms of um, uh, helping people with, uh, uh, with times when they're feeling dysphoric, not depressed, but you know, not, not feeling good. I mean, the work that we've been doing, and there's many other examples, I guess you always think of the ones that you're involved in, um, with uh within the perinatal space so we've got we've got an app called mind mum that we've developed with uh, with a group in in melbourne um, perinatal infant um, research institute and others and um and and what that does is is interact with with mothers who are sometimes finding it you know that we talk about it this is for for your ups and downs you know mm. as, a, as a new parent um, helping them with that uh, there's there's a number of other there's just I only mentioned that because yeah. I, I know it, but I mean, there's loads of examples like this around the place that people are engaged in. This will be something that that um, that I think will be happening more, and and I think it is it is a really good application of the digital work because, you know, we can get to people, we can get the large numbers at very low cost, and that's what you need to do when you're working in prevention. That's uh,
0: well, it's definitely exciting. I think the I mean, the future of this is really uh i mean with this technology and, and what good we can do with it uh and how it can help support mental health challenge people undergoing mental challenges is really exciting back onto you um before we uh before we wrap this up who, who do you think's been the biggest influence on your life as far as professionally or personally to
1: jesus that's a really hard question to answer i mean there's been a number of people who've who I've benefit f- benefited from over the years and that have been very influential on me. Um, my, my eldest brother was a psychologist. Um, he's, he's to blame largely for me getting into this space, I suppose. <laughs> um, and he's very dear to me. Um, and you know, in terms of being an academic psychologist, my next brother was an academic and unfortunately passed away earlier this year. Um, so they're, they're very, um, they were very, very profound influences, but many other people um, over the years um, come to mind, including um, a, 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 the registrar that I had when I first started work, um, the psychiatric registrar who was extremely supportive of me, um, uh, he won't realise it, but in fact, um, Professor Gavin Andrews of, of St Vincent's Hospital. Although uh, I've never worked for him, um, I've always found him extremely supportive and uh, inspirational. Um, many mm-hmm. people, we all, we all actually benefit from uh, from the people we interact with over time, and. Um, uh, uh, I guess John Saunders, uh, Professor John Saunders, who was a fantastic influence in terms of uh, his expertise in, in addiction, mm-hmm. uh, I've benefited enormously from. Um, my current dean is uh, is uh, Ross Young, he's a long-term colleague of mine, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and he and I have worked together for many years, and uh, he continues to be extremely supportive. Um, I think we have a lot if we think back, and and each of the people listening to this, if you actually uh, introspect and think about your colleagues and and, uh, the times that you've spent, let's make the most of it. Let's make the most of these relationships. Um, They're very precious to us. All, we've all benefited from them. We hopefully also contribute to them. Um, So I, I think, I think this is, uh, this is one of the most exciting sort of aspects of our work, I think, the colleagues that we have and the people who we can be interacting with. Some wise words.
0: Are, are there any, uh, any highlights as far as books you've read that, uh, that you can recommend to people, whether it's in the mental health profession or just personal development? Is there anything that s- sticks out for you that's sort of been something that's really had an impact on your life?
1: No, not really. I mean, I have. I get a lot of. Uh, I enjoy reading books. Don't read enough of them, but I <laughs> really do enjoy reading books. So I'm reading a book at the moment about the Antarctic. To be oh, honest, wow. and um, I'm looking forward to going there next year. And um,
0: well, that's exciting.
1: Uh, my my grandfather was actually uh, on a ship that um, that supplied one of uh, Shackleton's expeditions. So I've got a personal so nice. sort of link to it as well. Oh, look. Um, That'll be great. So you're heading there next year. Yeah, yeah. So reading about that and the the people who went down there, that is, that is inspirational. I mean, it's it's not a, a mental health book, but isn't it? it yeah. you know, It really does uh, inspire you, doesn't it? To uh, to try and do the best that you possibly can. It certainly
0: does. I, I think you know when I, when I look back uh, when I'm reading your bio and the stuff that you've been doing over the years. I mean, the experience that you've had, David, is is quite. Remarkable, really, and I want to obviously thank you for coming on the podcast. But also, I'm quite excited because I know the future holds a lot still for what you uh, are up to and what you are doing. And to have someone uh, who is in a leadership role in mental health uh, and having a big impact on things, we we thank you and we appreciate your time. Uh, and thanks very much for coming. Is there any final words you want to say?
1: Oh, look, I'm just very grateful. That's very kind words. Thank you, Sam. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. No
0: worries. Thanks very much, David. Is there someone working in mental health who you'd like to be featured on the podcast? Are there more questions you want the answers to? Let us know what you want to hear. Get in touch with us by emailing any podcast suggestions to membership at anzmh.asn.au. And be sure to stay up to date on our socials at anzmha on Facebook. Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you very much for listening and we look forward to sharing your next conversation.